ago, I attended the Northern York County Relay for Life as a cancer survivor, and I was so impressed with the program that I volunteered to be a part of the team. It was so rewarding to not only be involved in the fundraisers and all the events throughout the year, but to see the culmination of the event, of the event at the Relay for Life. 
During the last few years, we have averaged over $50,000 each year in monies, and it's all directed to cancer research right in our own community, including the funding of our own Hershey Medical Center. I'm Donna Sutton, serving our community here and now. Did you know that one child in 20 will have a parent die before he or she graduates from high school? I volunteer at the Highmark Caring Place, a center for grieving children, adolescents, and their families. I love that families come to a place that provides support, healing, hope, and a sense of community for those who have lost a loved one. You know you help make a difference in a child's life when they tell you how much they appreciate the time and dedication a volunteer makes for them. I'm Cheryl, and I'm serving our community here and now. My name is Carmen. I'm one of the staff members here, and I'm glad to be here. And now, if you didn't see that whole little exchange with the microphone, I'm actually on now. That's good. My battery just died. So I'm here and now, so that's exciting for me. No, but I love those video clips that um, we have been showing throughout the course of the series. Um, just getting a glimpse of a little picture of how different daybreakers are serving here and now. And most of them are just simple things that people are doing um, in their community, through volunteer work, through their vocation, and yet they're making such a big difference, a big impact just by following Jesus here and now. And I know when I talk to each of those people, they say, it's amazing to see what God is doing through me. I love to be a part of that. But they will also tell you that they love what God is doing in them as they engage in that as well. Because as we follow Jesus here and now, he does work through us. But the also really cool thing is that God works in us as we follow him here and now as well. And that's kind of what we're talking about today, this whole idea of what God does in us as we follow him, because we are all a work in progress. God is, is forming us and shaping us from the inside out, transforming us into this work in progress to this, this point of completion that he has in mind for us. And so we're diving into that today, and I like this topic because I love a good project. Um, I love to engage in different projects. We're um, just now finishing up a project that we're doing on the kitchen in our house, and it's driving my husband crazy because my mind is already on to the next project. I get one done, I want to go on to the next one, and I would love to say that I'm really good at finishing all of those projects that I start before I move on to the next one, but that just wouldn't be true, so I can't really tell you that this morning, because with a lot of projects, I'm a good starter, but not so much a good finisher. I um, this week pulled out my daughter's baby book, I have this, this little baby book of hers, and I looked at what the last entry was that I made in it for her, and it turns out that I recorded that she rolled over. She's seven now. <laughs> good starter, not such a good finisher. I also encountered in our garage this week a bunch of these paving stones, which was an idea I got on Pinterest. Don't you love Pinterest ideas? And I actually got the materials for it. It was going to be a project in our yard that I was going to do to make an outdoor tic-tac-toe board. It was going to be really cool. The kids could play with it. Yeah, there are nine of these stacked in our garage right now, not really serving the purpose of a tic-tac-toe board. 
Good starter, not necessarily a good finisher. You would see other projects around our house, pieces of furniture that I accumulated along the way, saying, I want to refinish that. I want to make something new out of that. And yet it's sitting in the storage area collecting dust. So I'm a good starter, but not a good finisher. But I had to ask myself, why do I keep getting drawn to these projects? Why do I like to engage in these projects? And I think the reason that I like to engage in these projects is because I love the potential of a work in progress. I love the potential of seeing something that could be something even greater, something even better. And I just love that whole idea of, of, of making it new, making it better. And when you think about why you engage in projects like that, you realize like most of the time, any of you who engage in projects, and how many of you do this project thing like me? Any of you? Yeah, okay. So I'm not alone up here. But when you engage in the projects, why do you start them in the first place? You start them because you want them to be something that either brings some form of beauty to the world or serves some sort of purpose, right? To bring beauty or to bring purpose. And I love the potential of, of beauty and purpose being brought to the world by these projects. But the problem is, if I don't finish them, they can't do either of those things. They can't bring beauty or purpose if they don't get finished. And that's kind of what we're talking about today, that we are works in progress, that God is working on us and in us and through us to bring beauty and purpose to this world. But we got to let him finish the job if we want to accomplish that we got to cooperate with him to let him do that work inside of us so that we can live out that potential that God has in store for all of us. And so today, that's what we're looking at, what it looks like to be a work in progress. And I want to challenge you to consider as we go through the message this morning, do you feel like you're a work in progress that God is continuing to work on? Or do you feel like maybe you've sidelined yourself to the storage area for a little while, saying, ah, it was a good start, but I don't have so much energy or time for that right now. And the potential is stunted because maybe you've, you've been relocated to the, the dark recesses of the storage area and not really feeling, fulfilling that purpose that God has in store for you. Or are you actively engaged in letting God continue that work in you, transforming you so that you can bring beauty and purpose to this world? So we're going to look at a passage from Ephesians chapter 4 today where Paul talks to the church about what it means to be developed as the body of Christ because this is one of the, the big project that God is working on. God is crafting the body of Christ. This is a project that he is putting together to bring beauty and purpose to the world. And so Paul talks a lot about this whole idea of the body of Christ that God is crafting, this project that God has in 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 works, okay? And this is what it says, beginning in Ephesians 4, verse 1, and then jumping forward to verses 11 to 13. He says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. He is the one who gave these gifts to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ, until we come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature and full-grown in the Lord, measuring up to the full stature of Christ. There's a couple things that I'd love for you to underline in that. If you haven't done that, or if you haven't pulled out your outlines, you can do that now. But a couple things that I'd love for you to underline there in that passage. And the first one is lead a life worthy of your calling. That's up towards the very top of that passage. 
underline that, lead a life worthy of your calling, and then go down to the very last sentence and also underline mature and full-grown. Mature and full-grown. So Paul is begging these believers, these followers of Jesus, to lead a life that's worthy of their calling, which begs the question, what is the life that's worthy of their calling? What is he calling them to? What is this work in progress that they're supposed to be working towards? What's the project? And as I mentioned earlier, the project is this whole idea of this body of Christ, to be united together. The project that Paul is saying God is working towards is to unite the body of Christ together to serve a purpose in this world, this this body that God is crafting in us. In other words, our calling, a life worthy of our calling, our calling is to be Jesus in the world today, to be the person of Jesus in the world today, the body of Christ. And Paul says that the goal is to become mature and complete, a full-grown body. We're to grow into this full-grown body so that we can measure up to the full stature, the full stature of Christ, the ability to function as Jesus functioned in the world. And so this is what we're going to look at today. What does it look like to grow into this, this body of Christ, the full stature of Christ? Because our goal is to lead a life that's worthy of our calling, to be this, this project that God is working on to bring beauty and purpose to the world. So as God works on me and in me, the first thing that I need to be responsible for is to take ownership of my spiritual maturity. To take ownership of my spiritual maturity. This is what Paul's talking about through this Ephesians 4 verse. If you continue in Ephesians 4.14, he says this, then we will no longer be like children, or many translations also use the word infants there. We'll no longer be like children or infants, forever changing our minds about what we believe because someone has told us something different or because someone has cleverly lied to us and made the lie sound like a truth, sound like the truth. Now again, if you could just circle something in that part of the passage as well, circle the, the word children or infants there. Because Paul is saying that the goal is to move beyond this infancy stage. The goal is not to stay as an infant. Remember, we want to, the goal is to be full-grown, mature, complete stature of Christ. So he's saying don't stay in the infancy stage. Now, we all start out as infants, right? And all babies are adorable, aren't they? I brought along for you a picture, my baby picture. And you have to enjoy this because I'm the third child and this is literally the only baby picture in the world that exists of me because that's what happens with third children. And I don't have a complex about that, no. But anyway, this is my baby picture. And all babies are cute when they're little, right? You look at all and you're like, oh, isn't that cute? The little baby pictures, isn't that sweet? But when you look at this picture of me then, and you look at me now, chances are most of you would not have connected the dots between, I could have said that was someone else, and you'd have been like, okay, yeah, that's true. Because you don't really see the, the similarities between me there and me today because I've grown, right? I grew. Something's changed from there. I don't look the same now as I looked back in that picture. Um, I've grown in, like, all sorts of different ways. I've grown physically. I've grown developmentally. I don't look the same. But... From the moment I was born, all of the parts that make me who I am today were there. They were all wired into me. From the moment that I was born, it was determined what eye color I was going to have. It was determined what hair color I was going to have, for the most part. (laughs) 
<laughs> it was determined what height I was going to be. Like all of that was wired into me from the beginning of the time that I was born. And all of my features were programmed into me and I kind of grew into them. I was also wired to grow developmentally. I don't act the way now that I acted when I was a child either. I don't know. I don't know how old I am in this picture. Probably not walking yet. But you know how like toddlers have that little walk where they do that cute little adorable like waddle walk and they kind of stomp along. I don't walk like that anymore, right? Because I've grown development. At least I hope I'm not walking like that. Um, because I've grown developmentally. When I eat, I don't smear food all over my face anymore. I don't pitch temper tantrums to get what I want for the most part, most of the time. Try to avoid that. But I've grown and I've changed from the time that I was a baby. And as adorable as babies are, we what? We expect them to grow, right? We don't expect them to stay as babies because it's not so adorable when a grown-up acts like a child. <laughs> There's nothing that's really all that attractive about that. If I behaved now as a 40-something-year-old woman, the same way that I behaved when I was three, something would be drastically wrong. I wouldn't have grown the way that I was intended to grow. And there's not anything that's really, that's really good or pleasing about a healthy adult that acts like a child. From the moment we're born, we're intended to grow. And every parent knows this is true. Every parent has this dream for their child. And I've talked to parents who have had developmentally disabled children, and they love their kids fiercely. But every parent of a, of a disabled child that I've talked to has told me that they had to work through a grieving process when they realized that their child was not going to develop the way most other kids do. There was kind of this sense of loss that they had to work through as they embraced what new normal was going to look like for them because there was this, this sense of loss that what was intended to grow wasn't going to work out exactly the way that they expected. And in the same way, we are all born spiritually when we become a follower of Jesus. We're born again, familiar with that term from the scripture, and we're intended to grow. We are not intended to stay as infants. And from the moment we're born, we are wired to grow into a new person. We're given gifts and abilities, and we're kind of programmed to grow into this person who God has intended for us to grow into. And if we're still sitting around after 10, 15, 30 years looking like a spiritual child, then something has gone wrong developmentally. Because as adorable as you were as a baby Christian, a grown-up Christian still acting like a child there's a sense of loss involved in that. It's kind of tragic, really, because you were made to grow. We were meant to grow up. We were meant to walk, maybe even run. We were meant to learn how to feed ourselves. We were meant to learn how to mature relationally and emotionally and spiritually. Paul says we are not supposed to remain as infants because as infants, we're going to be deceived. We're going to be blown and tossed around. No, you're made to grow. So what do you do to make sure that you grow? How do you take ownership of this, this growth process? And I submit that it's very similar to the way a parent will help a child grow. 
You take certain things, only God can cause the growth. There's not anything that I can do to make myself grow, but I can give myself good environments to be able to grow in. And so there are three things that every parent tries to give their child in order to give them every opportunity to grow. And the first thing is good nutrition. If you want to jot these three things down in your margin, feel free to do that. But the first thing is good nutrition. You try to give your your kid the good nutrition that they need in order to grow into a healthy adult. Without good nutrition, a child isn't going to grow. You also try to give them a healthy environment. That's the second thing. Good nutrition, a healthy environment. Every kid needs a healthy environment to grow. And finally, exercise. You need some exercise if you're going to be able to grow. If you just lay down on a mat all day and do nothing, you're not going to grow. So those are the three things. that I want to look at those a little more in depth on how we apply those spiritually, how I can take ownership of those three areas in a way that sets the conditions for God to do his work in me. Because this is the part that I can be responsible for. This is the part that I can do. And so the first one with good nutrition, I want you to consider what food are you taking in? What are you taking in? What are you feeding your mind? What are you feeding your soul? And are you learning how to feed yourself? Are you taking in good nutrition from God's word on a regular basis? Because this book, this is the, I know this doesn't look like a Bible anymore. I had to duct tape it back together, but this is my Bible. (laughs) And if you do not get into God's word on a regular basis, if you're not feeding good stuff into your mind, you will not grow, I promise you. There's even been scientific studies that have been done that'll, that'll prove that. If you want to grow spiritually, you have to get into God's word. And I also submit that possibly you need to consider what other forms of nutrition you're filling your mind with. Maybe there's some things that you need to stop eating spiritually in order to continue to grow. You can set this environment of taking in on a regular basis God's word on a daily basis. We just talked about this in our journey class this past week, how important it is to find a daily rhythm of connecting with God so that you can take in the presence of God on a regular, consistent basis, and not just a one hit each day, but to kind of soak in that throughout the day, each and every day. And if that's something you feel like, I don't even know where to begin, I have this Bible, I don't know what to do when I pick it up, write it on your card today and I'll be glad to follow up with you, give you some coaching or some resources that maybe would be helpful so that you can start to learn how to feed yourself. Because all infants do need to be spoon-fed. At the beginning, they need to be fed. Pretty much your job as an infant is just open your mouth and someone sticks the food in there. But when you're 20 years old and someone's still doing that for you, there's a problem, right? And so you want to learn how to feed yourself so that you can maybe even prepare meals yourself, maybe even feed someone else who's behind you on the journey. This is part of what you can take ownership of. The other thing I mentioned that we can take ownership of is setting a healthy environment, finding environments where your life will be encouraged where your spiritual growth and development will be encouraged. That's why at Daybreak we have all of these different small group opportunities so that you can get into intentional relationships with other people who can encourage you on your journey with Jesus. Our FWO women's program does a really good job 
of creating those kinds of environments. Um, and we got a chance to talk recently with some of the ladies who engaged in the FWO mentoring and accountability programs and hear just a little bit of their hearts of how God was transforming them through that healthy environment. So I want to take a look this morning at what these ladies had to say about growing in a healthy environment. Let's take a look. Um, just really need another person to really go through them in the stages of life. As well as having a mentor, I really found a valued friend and um, someone that I can just grow a, a great Christian sisterly bond with. I have a great story. God's done some amazing things in redeeming a, a pretty rough past. And there's a lot of power in that story of redemption, and it gives hope to people who are maybe struggling with feeling like they're a prisoner of their past. So I was very quick when I was asked to say, well, sure, if you think I'm, you know, mentor material, I would be happy to. Because my, my biggest passion with mentoring is the intentionality of the relationship. I just think it's so amazing to, like, walk beside a sister in Christ, even if it's a season with absolute purpose and intentionality of growing together. It's a beautiful relationship that develops. What made me go was that I had just rededicated my life to, back to Jesus. And I needed somebody who was, you know, further along in their walk with God to help me, to keep me um, pointing in the right direction, just to have uh, somebody, you know, that you're accountable to, that, you know, you can say, you know, I prayed for you, I know you're praying for me, you know, that you have the same relationship, you know, I just did it because I wanted to further my walk with God. I found that it's very important to me to be able to meet with women that are on the same playing field as me, either are going through the same types of things that I'm going through right now or have already been there. And with with Cheryl and with Carrie, it was exactly that. You know, Carrie has a little one my age, and Cheryl has been there with girls. So it was really great to be able to um, feel very open and to be able to talk about anything that I'm going through right now and just feel very, very comfortable with that. It made me focus on a time of prayer because I felt being in an accountability group. Um, we were kind of accountable for each other and we did prayer requests and you know and we actually I mean I spent more time in prayer um, than I, I normally would so that was really a good stretch for me too. Sometimes I get in this you know uh, this my world of like thoughts where I think this is the right way to go and then Carol is like kind of my sounding board and just says like this now this way might be better, this little more godly way, and that that's um, very much needed for me. His power is made perfect in my weakness, and that in those places where you think you don't have a lot to offer, or you think you're not perfect or you're not good enough, that's very often the places that the person you're encountering sees the truth and authenticity, and they're really able to grow, and you're able to grow and see His hand despite what you think are your failings, because we're never going to be perfect. It helped because, you know, I was praying for the girls, and I knew they were praying for me, 
you know, it was the support and the growth, you know, and, you know, I had a goal. I wanted to, you know, walk closer with God and become closer with, you know, the ladies in the group. I didn't know that I needed that, but I think God knew, and I hope Carol feels the same way, but that it's lasted this long. It's just been great, and just developed a great friendship, and it's, it's been awesome. God taught me, um, actually, that, you know, I can, I can rely on younger ladies to help support me in anything that I'm going through. Um, that, you know, just because I'm older doesn't mean that they don't have valuable, um, you know, support for me and guidance as well as, you know, me having stuff for them. I would say definitely do it. Um, it's such a blessing. Just being around uh, like-minded women um, really helps your growth. Um, people who really love you and care about you. Uh, just, I mean, don't even think twice about it. Just go to the coffee and meet people and sign your name up and say, yes, you know, I'm all in. I hope that little video gave you just a picture of how good that healthy environment can be towards really moving forward in your spiritual life. And um, if you are wanting to learn more about the FWO program, you can write FWO on the back of your card today, and someone will follow up with an email to you in a couple weeks, um, just giving you some more information about ways you can get plugged in there. But maybe the FWO program isn't the one for you. Maybe um, something else is good for you because you're not at that stage right now or because maybe you're a man and FWO doesn't work so well for you. Um, there are also men's ministries that are available. There are home groups that are available. There are groups for healing. The last several weeks, you've seen us touting those small group booklets, and we do that each fall to get people reconnected. And we don't do that just so that we can grow big programs. We do that because it's good for you to be in a healthy environment. And so I encourage you to take ownership of getting yourself in a healthy environment so that you can grow beyond this infant stage that Paul is talking about. Okay, so Paul talked about um, growing beyond infants, and we talked about getting the good nutrition, the healthy environment, and the last thing is exercise. Find some outlets for what you're learning. Move from belief and just things that you know into actually applying them, into action to the world around you. If all you ever do is just take in, you might get fat and happy, but you're not going to be healthy, okay? You've got to find ways to exercise what you're, what you're learning and what you're processing because we weren't meant to just take it in. We were meant to let it flow from God to us and then through us to the world around us. And I have to believe that when Jesus was there hanging on the cross, his dream for his church down the road wasn't, wow, I hope I have a bunch of followers who can sit around and, and pull doctrine apart and, and debate over theology and right and wrong theology. I really hope that's what they do. I don't think that's what Jesus' heart was as he hung there on the cross. I think Jesus' heart was, wow, I dream of these people having a relationship with the Father and that they would believe in me in such a way that they go out and they make a difference in this world. That they would love well. That they would give extravagantly to those around them. That they would have a heart like mine. That they would serve. That they would be a blessing to the world around them. Exercise your faith. Take ownership of that. Look for outlets 
for your faith to be exercised. That's taking ownership of your spiritual maturity. And when you do those things, you create the environment in which God can do his best work, and he creates that growth in you. And I want to challenge you this morning to consider that no one else can take ownership of your spiritual maturity. No one else can do this for you. At the end of the day, I am not going to stand accountable for what you did with your relationship with Jesus. It's on you. This is your job and your responsibility. And yes, you're part of a church family and we have a responsibility to one another, but we can't be responsible for one another. Take ownership, take responsibility for your spiritual development because no one else can do it for you as much as someone else might even want to. They can't do it for you. Take that ownership. Don't be just a half-finished project sitting on a storage shelf somewhere waiting for something to come along so that God can continue his work. Put yourself in an environment where God can do his work inside of you so that you can grow beyond that infant stage. But then that does kind of beg the question, right? Okay, so if I'm putting myself in that environment, what is one of the main signals to know that I am growing up? Like, what does that look like when I start to grow, when I get out of the infant stage spiritually? Well, it's the second thing we want to talk about today, and it's as God works on me, I develop the heart of Jesus. I develop the heart of of Jesus. This is what it looks like to start growing up. My heart starts to change and become more and more like the heart of Jesus. And that's what Paul's kind of saying in this passage. He's saying, okay, you don't want to be like infants anymore. You don't want to be blown around by every idea that comes your way. But instead, he gives us a picture of what it looks like to mature beyond that. And he says in verse 15, instead, we will hold to the truth in love, becoming more and more in every way like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. So we will hold to the truth in love. Circle that word love. We'll hold to the church, uh, truth in love, becoming more and more in every way like Christ. And at the end of the day, this is what it's about. Becoming more and more like Christ because we're growing in the truth and love. Christ who held to the truth in love, we're becoming more and more like him. And notice that Paul doesn't say anything at all in here about Growing up means learning how to behave better. He doesn't mention any exterior qualities that prove that you are growing spiritually in this passage. He says it's about learning how to love well, and this is a theme that's consistent through the Bible. It's not about starting with this external package. It's about starting with what God is doing inside of you. God's dream for the finished project that he is working on inside of me is not that I have some beautiful exterior, that I look like it's all pretty on the outside or all good on the outside, but God's dream for me is that the interior is beautiful, that the interior loves like Jesus loved, lives like Jesus lived. That's what God's goal is for this, this project, this idea of love. And Jesus himself even said that this is the greatest commandment. All of the law, all of the prophets, when he was asked, what does it all hinge on? What does it all boil down to? He said, it boils down to these two things, love God, love people. Jesus is saying, this is the goal at the end of the day. Love God, love people. This is the work in progress that I'm creating in you. And Jesus consistently focused on people's center, 
not the exterior. He focused on their center, what's inside of them, not what's outside of them. And he even created a lot of waves in his day. He shocked the people of his contemporary time period by saying that the religious leaders, those who were considered to be like high reputation in the Jewish community, he said, no, you are outside the kingdom of God. And people were like, what? They're doing all the right things. They have all of this reputation. They have all of this, these rules and laws that they're following, and they're outside the kingdom? How on earth am I going to live up to that if those people that are doing all that right stuff are outside? And Jesus said, it's because you're missing the point. They've got all this stuff going on on the outside, but their hearts, their hearts inside, they're not growing in love. They're not becoming more and more like my heart. You are not part of this kingdom. Their behavior was all in line, but their hearts were far away. They were doing all the right things, saying all the right things, but their hearts were dead. They were growing in appearance. They were growing in reputation, but they weren't growing in love. Kind of hits a little close to home sometimes, huh? When you consider what that means for you personally. And it does beg the question, how did that happen to them? How do these people who were the, the pillars of the religious community get to a place where Jesus himself is saying, you don't belong to this kingdom? What happened? I think what happened is that they lost sight of what the finished project was intended to be. The finished project isn't about image. The finished project is about love and a heart like Jesus. And somehow... My guess is that it happened even without them realizing that it was happening. They started to shift their focus from being holy to looking holy. They wanted to be in the religious club. And so they conformed their behavior to fit the rules of the religious club. And they forgot that it all starts, it all stems from inside the heart. But they were just worried about those exteriors, those code of conduct things that told them that they belonged to this group of people. They thought they were in with God because they said the right prayers, they ate the right food, they avoided the wrong people, they followed the right traditions, all of those things. And Jesus is saying, no, you're far away from me because all along their hearts were not growing in love. As a matter of fact, they were getting harder and harder and even downright vicious towards those who were outside of their own little religious club. Their goal became identifying themselves as the people of God according to the outside and not the inside, and they had completely missed the mark. And I wish I could say to you today that it was just the, the Pharisees of Jesus' day, the religious leaders of Jesus' day that struggled with this issue, I wish I could say that clearly we've learned from their mistakes and we all get it right now, but the truth is, I know that I've been just as guilty. When I have not engaged in my spiritual development, when I have not taken ownership of connecting with Jesus and putting myself in those environments where God can work in me, my life has not been marked by greater and greater amounts of love for God and love for other people. And I look end up looking for substitute ways 
to distinguish myself as a Christian. If I don't have what, what I need to have going on inside of myself, then I substitute other ways to make it at least look like I have the real deal going on. Other ways of identifying myself as a Christian, doing and saying the right things to make it sound like or look like the package is all together. I couldn't be closer to a Pharisee when I hit those stages. When I am not intentional about my relationship with Jesus, I default to this code of conduct of what a Christian should be. I don't drink, I don't chew, I don't hang out with boys who do. And when I don't do those things, then I look like I belong as part of this community. And yet Jesus is saying, no, that's not the way it works. You're stuck in the infancy stage with that. You know how he says that infants can be deceived? I find what I'm operating in that place of focusing on the exterior more than the interior, I can even deceive myself into thinking, well, I know my heart isn't really where it needs to be right now, but I'm not really doing anything wrong. Jesus is saying, no, you're missing the mark of who I want to grow you to be. That sense of tragedy, (laughs) of the potential of what I want you to be. I think his heart breaks when he sees us in that place. How crazy is it that we get this so completely backwards that we want to focus so much on what the outside looks like more than what the inside looks like? And yes, as internal change happens, as heart change happens, that will work its way out to external behaviors. Things will change in the way that we act and interact with people when we have the real deal going on. There will be evidence of a transformed life on the exterior when the real thing is going on. That will happen but it always starts from the inside. The Bible consistently teaches that all the way through the New Testament, even the Old Testament. Change starts from the heart. And I don't know how to say this except to say it just bluntly. The reality is that the world and the church for that matter, they don't need more externals. They don't need more rules. They don't need more guilt. They don't need more shame. (laughs) They don't need pristine behavior with rotten hearts inside. What the world needs is people who have a heart like Jesus, a heart that loves fully, a heart that breaks for the broken, a heart that is willing to sacrifice something of itself on behalf of other people. A heart that is ready to, as Paul says, hold to the truth and love and is more and more in every way like Christ. What the world needs are Christ followers who have a heart, who are developing a heart like Jesus. And that can only happen as I spend time with him. And this kind of kicks us back to what we talked about in point one. I'm not going to grow myself, but as I spend time in his presence, as I take ownership of my spiritual maturity and spend time in the presence, he begins this transforming process inside of me. And my transformed life begins to shine through as I develop a heart like Jesus. And my transformed life begins to bless others, which is our third point we want to talk about there today. My transformation blesses others. 
So Paul's saying through this passage, instead of being like infants, we'll become more and more in every way like Christ. We're going to grow up in every way like Christ. And then finally in verse 16, under his direction, the whole body is fitted together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of life. As my own little part in the body does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow as well. As I am strong and healthy, that lends life and strength to the other parts of the body as well. And you know, I've recently been processing something that I probably should have really processed a long time ago. Probably should have discovered it a long time ago, but until recently, I've seen my salvation, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and my commitment to follow him, I've seen that as largely a personal thing. That Jesus died on the cross so that I can be reconciled to God the Father. And that is absolutely true. And that is huge and that is massive. Jesus died on the cross so that I can be brought back into a reconciled relationship with the Father. Jesus bridged the gap that existed between God and me. And what his death on the cross accomplished was that I could be now back in relationship with God the Father. There's this individual, personal relationship that is absolutely, unequivocally true. But as huge as that is, I'm learning to discover it. I'm still trying to get my arms and my mind around it. I'm discovering that As huge as that is, there's a piece of this that's even bigger than that. Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross accomplished something more than just my personal salvation and your personal salvation. Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross also was the the conduit to begin to build this body of Christ. The body of Christ was born When Jesus died on the cross, he ushered in this whole idea of the body of Christ. That is, I follow him and you follow him. Together we each play a part and together we create this body of Christ that can accomplish things that there is no chance that we would be able to accomplish individually and on our own. He birthed the body of Christ with his death and resurrection. It's more than just this vertical thing that just happens between me and God and you and God and we have all these parallel things. There's also this huge horizontal component to this. That is, yes, we have those individual relationships with God, but then there's also this communal significance of God saying that the body of Christ is being brought together. The body of Christ is being formed, was birthed there at the death, at the cross, When Jesus was resurrected, this body of Christ was birthed, and his dream and his goal for this body of Christ is that it becomes mature and full-grown, that this, this body that was born grows up to be the full stature of Christ so that together we can be literally, not metaphorically, literally the body of Christ in the world through the power of his Holy Spirit that works in us that lives in us, that exists in us, we can together be the body, the flesh and blood of Jesus in this world so that the world can know who he is. Do you get how huge that is? 
That blows me away when I start to try to get my mind around how very, very big that is. You see, salvation is not the end of the journey. Salvation is actually the beginning of the journey of our, of our relationship with Christ. Because if salvation was the end of the journey, why would he not just beam us up <laughs> the moment we decide to be a follower of Jesus? What would be the point of living out the rest of this life? Would it just be to hang out and hope for the best until we get to heaven? Say, no, I created something. I began this work and this purpose for you to bring beauty and purpose into this world. I began this thing for you to be a part of this body of Christ so that your transformation strengthens this body so that together we can all be a blessing to this world. You can be a blessing individually and you can be a blessing together as the body of Christ. It's about something bigger than just me. Salvation in this process of what we call sanctification, being transformed into the image of Christ. Sanctification is about becoming a completed version of who I was created to be, and at the same time, it's about fulfilling a purpose here and now. And that is the purpose to be Jesus in the world today, all of us together, working together in a way that we could never do on our own. My transformation, my growing up process is meant to be a blessing to the world. Your transformation is meant to be a blessing to the world that together we can lock arms and join this mission that God has entrusted to us to make himself known to the world. You see, my transformation isn't just to make me happy. My transformation isn't just so that I can have good feel-good moments, emotional moments with Jesus, though developing a relationship with Jesus is sweet. My transformation isn't about just gaining some kind of happy life and gleaning some benefit in this life, though going through life with Jesus is rich. My transformation isn't just some effort to try to appease God or make him happy or earn his love or approval, though I do think God smiles when he sees the transformation that he can work inside of us. But my transformation isn't about just those things. My transformation is for the world, the sake of the world. Our transformation as the body of Christ is for the sake of the world. We are meant to bless others and to grow up into the body of Christ. And I want you to envision a body of Christ that is strong and healthy and full-grown and swift and powerful and beautiful. Imagine what that kind of body would do in a world that is so broken. When we come together in unity, as Paul is begging them, come together in unity, create this body for the sake of the world. I love this quote by Mulholland in um, the book Invitation to a Journey. He says, spiritual formation is a process of being conformed to the image of Christ for the sake of others. Spiritual formation is a process of being conformed to the image of Christ for the sake of others. This is who God is forming me to be. 
This is the work in progress that he began in me the day that I was born. And he's going to continue that work in me for the rest of my life as long as I cooperate with him and let him. And if I cooperate with him, he's going to use my life and your life and our lives to bring some kind of beauty and purpose to this world. And I believe that there is no greater way to invest your life. And that's the challenge that I want to leave you with this morning. I'd love for you to pull out your response card from your program guide and spend just a couple of minutes considering what is it that God is saying to me about being a work in progress today? Maybe he's challenging you today to take some ownership of your spiritual maturity. Maybe you know that there is a next step in your nutrition, in your environment, or in your exercise that you know God is saying, you need to get out of that infancy stage. You need to start to grow up. And maybe that's something that God is calling you today. Or maybe today you realize that you need to start to let God transform you and develop a heart like Jesus. Maybe you realize that you've been focusing on the exteriors, kind of making it look good, but you know that the real deal isn't happening inside. And maybe God is challenging you today to let his presence grow that heart of love inside of you. Or maybe today for the first time you're considering wow, what does my transformation mean in the way that it blesses other people? What does it mean for me to really engage in this thing called the body of Christ that Jesus died to give life to? Maybe there's a step that God wants you to take there. Maybe there's another prayer request that you have, and you can write that on the back of your card there as well. There are also prayer partners that are available. You can... um, head out anytime now till the end of the service. They'll be in the prayer and reception room down the hallway to the left. But I encourage you to consider how God is calling you to respond to him today, to be cooperative in this work in progress that he wants to do in your life. Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you that you never abandon the work that you are doing in us, that you never leave us on the shelf, (laughs) but that for as long as we are willing to be um, engaging with you, that you will always bring to completion the work that you started in us. And show us what we need to do, God, to cooperate with you. God, we want to pray like Paul prayed this morning, that you would build up your church, the body of Christ, until we come to such unity in our faith and knowledge that we will be mature and full-grown, measuring up to the full stature of Christ. We don't want to be like children forever changing our minds about what we believe. But instead, teach us, God, to hold to the truth in love so that we can become more and more in every way like Christ. Teach us to follow your direction as you fit this body together perfectly so that it's healthy and growing and full of life. Please take this project that you've started to create, this body of Christ, please take it to completion. Please teach us how to cooperate and to join you in what you're doing there. Transform us, God, to be like you. Use our lives to bring beauty and purpose in this world. Amen.